0: Hi, this is Jason Garrett from Daily Dose of Hoops. You're listening to Left Coast Pirates.
1: just west of the Ward Place Gate, from San Diego, California. He is Mike Dizzy Dizzieri, class of 2001. I am Tommy Chilkoharski, class of 1997, and we are Left Coast Pirates. Good morning, Michael. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Tommy. Big win last night. Pirates
2: in the semifinals of the Big East tournament. That was one of the best Halfs of basketball I think I've watched in a long time. I'm, I'm pretty pumped as to how this team is playing basketball right now.
1: I've never seen 20 minutes of basketball like that from anyone ever wearing Seton Hall Pirates shirt. I try to stay reserved in my compliments, but when a guy stops at the Madison Square Garden logo near center court and fires a three and hits the twine, that's just nuts. But, but that's not the reason why we're here
2: doing this podcast this morning. But we got a special guest that's going to join us. And you talk about comparing previous regimes to current teams. And I, I find it ironic that the guest we're going to kind of have him on, his senior season and that team, I thought paralleled this pirate team in so many different ways. And I'm excited to kind of bring him on and, and ask him the questions.
1: He played for the legendary Bob Hurley Sr. at St. Anthony's High School in Jersey City, New Jersey, winning two state titles in 2001 and 2002, the latter achieving the ranking of number two high school team in the nation. He earned first team All-State and first team All-Tri-State honors following his senior season of 2001 and 2002. He played for the Pirates between 2002 and 2006 under Louis Orr as a senior in 2002. 2005 and 2006 he was named all big east and all metropolitan second team he was also the seton hall senior male athlete of the year while leading the team in scoring and assists after his time at seton hall he played professionally around the world with stops in places like france germany poland and puerto rico currently he is the assistant coach of the wagner seahawks please welcome to left coast pirates live donald copeland Donald, how are you today?
0: I'm well, I'm well. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks
2: for joining us. Uh, Did you get a chance to catch the game last night?
0: I did. I did. I did catch the game. I'm glad they won. Uh, You know, they got out to a really early lead, good cushion. Um, You have to expect Georgetown making a run in the second half, which they did. But, you know, it's good to see uh, Seton Hall was able to close them out. Have
2: you ever seen a half like that from a player?
0: Uh, not at Seaton Hall. I haven't seen it, but, uh, you know, Miles is, uh, you know, he's really stepped into his own here, you know. Um, there's a lot to be said to, for what he's done this year in that role. So, you know, seeing what he did last night, uh, doesn't surprise me. You know, he's, he's a great player. He's proven a lot to a lot of people around the country this year. I I know going into this year, the expectations for the school, for the team weren't as high, you know, and uh, it's good to see that they were able to ignore everything and just go out there and play. And he's a big reason why.
1: Yeah. It was a great game. We're real excited out here as well, especially since it was an early start time for us. So now Donald, you played for the legendary Bobby Hurley senior at St. Anthony's in Jersey city, New Jersey. What was it like playing for that man?
0: It was very demanding. It was very, very demanding. Um, you know, people people who don't know him or, you know, the program or whatnot, they just, from the outside looking in, you don't know what really goes into it, and that's because he's demanding of himself a lot from uh, his players, you know. So uh, guys who have been through it really understand, um, and you come out better for it, for sure.
1: Now, while you were there, you ended up winning two state titles in 2001 and 2002, and while you were doing that, you also earned first-team all-state. There must have been some other schools recruiting you. What other offers did, were you looking at?
0: Well, my recruitment really picked up after my junior year in uh, in high school. I had a really big summer, uh, AAU wise, and then obviously the the good year that I did have. Um, my final schools came down to um, Oregon, uh, Providence, West Virginia, Villanova, and Seton Hall.
2: What put Seton Hall over the top?
0: You know what? I had a real special connection with, with Coach Orr. The, the the you know being close to home did play a part, you know, but able to I really really connected with him more so than I would say with the other coaches that were recruiting me.
2: So Seton Hall and St. Anthony's had a pretty storied history right around the time that you joined us, but you were the last player from that pipeline at St. Anthony's to come to to the Hall. Any idea as to why that pipeline kind of died out?
0: Not not entirely. No, I don't. I don't know. Um, I know there's been plenty of great players after me. You know, I know Coach Orr, you know, moved on after. I, I don't know what the recruiting strategy was, you know, after I left. But, um, you know, for some reason, players didn't go there. Um, I don't know if it was they turned them down or maybe Seton Hall wasn't interested. So I, I, I don't know.
1: Now, you mentioned you had a special relationship with Louis Orr. What was it like to play for Louis Orr and compare his style to what it was like with Coach Hurley?
0: Very, very different styles. Um, you know what? It was very, very different. Uh, you know, and I'll go back as far as my father, who was a college coach, coached me since I was eight. He actually stopped coaching. He was very, very demanding. And going from him to Coach Hurley was an easier transition. And then from Coach Hurley to uh, Coach Orr, who I won't say was dem- wasn't l- less demanding, but he had a different approach. You know, very soft-spoken person, very, very much believed in relationships and, uh, and, and, and a different way of doing things. So that was a, a bit different, but he's a great man. He made me a better person. He made me a better basketball player. The knowledge in him is equal to any coach I've had in my in my career, to be honest with you. But I did learn a lot from him, especially as a different way of, of doing things. So it was very different from Coach Hurley, but nonetheless it was very it was very effective.
2: Well, some really glowing uh, words of recommendation there for Coach Orr. But unfortunately, Coach Orr was let go after your season season. Do you think that he deserved better? off the tenure of success that he had you guys made two ncaa tournaments in five years you made an nit i thought you should have deserved another ncaa invite a lot of people were disappointed that they let uh coach or go back at that time
0: yeah you know i mean he's, he's the guy that recruited me he, you know i built that relationship with and um i i, I wasn't a, a fan of it you know um again i was a 22 year old kid i don't really know the ins and outs of what happened behind closed doors or anything like that? But if uh, if you're looking from a production standpoint, you know I I don't I don't think so. Like you said, we had three postseason um, tournaments in five years there. I know he was coach of the year one year, runner-up another year. So you know I'm sure that there's there's other things that go into a decision like that. I'm un I was unaware of them, but from my time there, you know what, it was a great experience. And he has a lot to do with that.
2: I don't know what goes on behind the scenes either. Most fans don't, but there's always this speculation of what a coach is or is not doing. I mean, Coach Orr had a great rapport with his players, as you mentioned, and was a great tactician, in my mind, on the court. But there were rumors that he didn't go above and beyond within the Seton Hall community or didn't put the extra effort into his uh, recruiting efforts. Based on your interaction throughout the recruiting process, any truth to that?
0: Recruiting-wise, no, I I can't say I agree with that. Um, Maybe I was unaware back then, but now that I'm a coach, looking back on my time, I mean, as far as recruiting – you know, I think he recruited as well as anybody. I think, you know, myself came from a top high school program. Uh, Grant Bill Meyer came from a top high school program. Jamar Nutter, uh, Brian Lang, uh, Paul Goss, who I think is top five all time in Jersey, uh, scoring wise. You know, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't agree that it was recruiting. Now, is there other things again? I, I don't know with the community and things like that. I know we were very involved as a team with the community, which starts with Coach Or. So, you know, again, I can't, I, I don't really know into that aspect of it. You know, what was being asked of him and uh, if he was able to deliver. You know, continuing
1: on with that idea of relationships. You came into the team when Andre Barrett was starting. What was your relationship like with Andre? Was he a mentor of sorts? Was he trying to get you prepped to be the next great Seton Hall point guard?
0: It was great. You know what? We, me and Andre knew each other uh, prior to Seton Hall. We played against each other in high school. You know what? He, he was a big reason why I wanted to come there. Uh, the idea of playing with him was always appealing to me because in high school I played with two other point guards that were able to go to big, big schools. Uh, Maybe it didn't work out that way, ideally, as expected, but, you know, me and Andre always had a great relationship, and we actually still do to this day. We talk very often, almost every other day. But, yeah, he was a major part in my success, Uh, you know, whether it be mentoring, we talked a lot, but also competing. We competed very, very hard against each other. Um, And I think that was a big aspect because I I was trying to get him better and he was trying to get me better.
2: So speaking of success, I I think the team, while you were there for four years, had a lot of success. And I want to kind of dive into some of those experiences. Your freshman year, the Pirates had a crazy run to end the season. The team got on a nine-game winning streak. They beat two top ten teams. I was even at the game that John Allen hit the buzzer beater against Nova – and yet the team still got snubbed with a ten and six conference record. I think at the time it was the first Big East team not to get an at large bid with ten wins in the Big East regular season. Tell about us you know, tell us about that crazy run, the emotion of not getting in.
0: Yeah, it was it was an exciting run. It was an exciting run. We hit a real good groove, guys were bought in. We we got real momentum and our, our key guys for us were really playing well. And everyone else down the line was contributing. You know what? It was really disappointing. I do remember that time. Very disappointing. You know what? Well, we felt like we did enough to uh, position ourselves into getting an in that large bid. And, um, you know, when we didn't get it, you know, it was very down, very down, and almost no real motivation, I guess, to go play in the – NIT, which that shouldn't be because you know you still get a chance to play, but we really felt we played our way into the tournament, and uh, we're going to be able to make some noise that year in particular.
1: Well, you came back the next year real strong, making the NCAA tournament and getting into the second round before eventually losing to Duke, but what I remember in that season was that crazy game against Arizona. You guys were down by 17. The local TV took the game off the air. You hit a big three. Kelly Whitney was an absolute beast with a 24 4-14 Four line, and Arizona had a crazy lineup with Channing Fry, Salim Stottlemyre, Hassan Adams, and Andre Iguodala. What do you remember about that game?
0: I do remember getting down early. Uh, there was a big half, halftime deficit, I want to say, and uh, for the first time probably all year, we, uh, I think we committed to a small lineup. Um, I remember being Andre, myself, John Allen, J.R. Morris, and Kelly Whitney out there along with Andre Sweet and uh, you know, Marcus, Tony L. And it was a, uh, you know, we, we played majority of that half with a small lineup, which was able to change things up for us, make a push for a comeback. You know, we just, we didn't want to go out that way. You know, uh, we worked that hard. And, and a lot of the, my freshman year was still carrying over on us that we got an opportunity in the tournament. We wanted to make sure that we made some noise and um you know what, they jumped out on us. They were a very talented team. Just the names you, you, you name you rattled off there, but uh. You know, Andre, I remember really, really leading us that game. Um, you know, I know Kelly had, had a big game, but Andre really orchestrated a lot of things, almost to, kind of took over things. And, um, you know, I did my part, you know, in an uh, opportunity I got. I felt like, you know, defensively, I wanted to make sure I made a stance. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to get my opportunity to hit
2: me. Prior to even making it to the NCAA dance that year, do you think there was a game at any point where you guys turned the corner and you're like, all right, we, we stamped our ticket, we, we belong with them? you know, in the big dance?
0: No, I I don't know. You know, what was really um, heartbreaking for us was losing to Villanova that year in the Big East tournament. You know, uh, we felt like we did did play well enough to make the tournament, and we knew we wanted to try and win a Big East championship, also help our seeding. So I don't want to say we ever got lax, like, hey, listen, we know we're in, because it was a real chip on our shoulder that year to prove a lot of people wrong. So, you know, uh, we just always competed, 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 and I just do remember that Villanova game at, at, at the garden and we lost on a buzzer shot. So that uh, that kind of took the wind yeah. out of our sails a little bit. But I, um, I hate
2: to even go here, but I was at the garden that night and I remember when Marcus airballed the free throw, that kind of took the wind out of the sails and gave Villanova that yeah. last second opportunity. I uh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We were, we were all shocked at that time, but you know what, man, Mark, it's, if, if, We wouldn't have to do it all over again and have anybody else there. Marcus, you know what, gave so much to the program and was a great leader. Uh, You know, it is an air ball, but at the end of the day, it's a missed shot, you know, and uh, he's made made those shots before throughout his career. You know what, there's a lot more that, that obviously goes into even being in that situation. So obviously we wouldn't even be in that situation if it wasn't for Marcus. But yeah, it was a it was a tough blow, though, that, that loss.
1: So after that season, uh, that crazy recruiting class that included Andre and Marcus graduated, and junior year was a bit of a struggle for you guys. Louis Ort brought in a highly recruited point guard from Chicago named Justin Sarasoli, but he never seemed to click with the team. How difficult was it to mm-hmm. battle for uh, playing time with that guy coming in?
0: You know what? I was weird. I, You know, I was uh, I, I kind of helped get him here. You know, I, I was that kind of kid. Uh, I was one of those guys that, you know, bring everybody that we need that you feel going to help the program get better and we'll figure it out later because my mindset was just that competitive that I, I'm going to play, you know, so I don't know what else happens. So I wouldn't say it was difficult, you know, as far as battling things out with him. He was a great player. He was very talented. He was a great kid. We had a great relationship. You know what? I think he also struggled with some freshman team to 10 with his maturity. You know, I think he had different expectations of what his situation would be and also college would be. You know what? We kind of got in the way of it and, you know, it was tough for him to break through. But the times he did play well, I think he showed everybody he was, he was more than capable. But yeah, we did have a, a rough year. That year didn't go as expected. Uh, which was very disappointing.
1: You think if he would have played closer to home, it would have been a little easier transition into college for him?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't necessarily know. I mean, I think we had a, guy, a lot of guys from the team that were. Uh on the mid from the Midwest, you know what he 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 very cl- he clicked with those guys as well. Did the whole team, so it wasn't it wasn't very clicky. Um, I don't know if it being closer to home, anything like that. Again, it was he went through a lot of freshman stuff. I would say he went through a lot of freshman stuff, and I think also all the expectations put on him from high school leading into college played a little bit of a part in it. You know what? And again, it, it, it happens today. I'm a coach now, and I can tell you that you know freshmen don't know you know and they, they don't they don't know you know they don't know uh until they get there and have to go through a tough time
2: that makes sense he was a he was a top 100 recruit I mean I went, looked it up he was 51 so that you know Seton Hall yeah, doesn't have too yeah. many top 50 recruits coming down the pipeline so there had to have been a lot of expectations
0: mm-hmm. sure they were. they were they were uh deserved too he was very good he was very talented scored a ball handle it make great vision good feel again I just think it was a little bit of a maturity thing uh, for him. You know, and, uh, you know, I was hoping I tried to help as much as I could with that, you know, but unfortunately it just didn't work out.
2: Well, let's not sugarcoat it. You know, he he transfers out at the end of that year and that opens the door Mm -hmm. your senior season to kind of take the reins, you know, on on a unchallenged, it's kind of your team now. And I think there were a lot of questions going into that year, but you rose to the occasion. And ironically, the Mm -hmm. team finished 18 and 12, just like this current year's team. But in my opinion, the similarities don't end there. How would you feel knowing uh, that, that you were picked at the bottom of the conference in the preseason, just kind of like this year's squad.
0: You know what? I, I really remember that that season well. I blocked out a lot of things. I uh I went through a tough time my junior year uh, personally with family and things like that. So that was a very very tough thing, and I was able to get things in order with my family going into my senior year. And then, to be honest with you, the, the being picked last or whatever we were, it really didn't bother me. It really didn't. It really didn't affect me at all. I I, I can tell you I didn't pay attention to it, and more more importantly, i I knew what I had to do for our team to be good. And so that was my, that was on me. That was on me. I put it on myself because I believed in myself. And I didn't want our guys to even worry about that stuff either. So there was no conversations amongst us. It was never used as motivation or anything like that. And we, we kind of just kept a night, a close knit family, and just really focused on what we need to do each day and day out and that's something that I did myself it started once that summer hit I got myself prepared mentally physically also you know personally with family and uh you know what I was fortunate enough to have a a pretty good year
2: but the team didn't get off to a hot start you guys started nine and six then all of a sudden you win an OT game against South Florida and then two huge road wins against NC State 15th Syracuse 25th as part of a six game winning Mm -hmm. streak what all of a sudden started clicking
0: you know something uh i've never spoken about this this is gonna be the first time i've spoken about this i'm sure no one knows about this except for anybody that's inside was, was with our team. The day before our first practice, I tore I, I rolled my ankle. I tore two ligaments in my ankle and have a bone bruise. My, my ankle today is deformed, uh, because of it. And I, I got the option to, if I wanted to sit out and I didn't, and I kind of forced my way onto the court and I knew the situation, you know, where I was, it was really a lot riding on me. And I, I kind of got off to a slow start because I, I played in almost a cast my entire senior year and I didn't get comfortable with it. I probably never got comfortable with it, but it didn't become manageable until after the the midway point for me. I think that had a lot to do with it. I really do. Uh, Because our point guard position, when Seton Hall's been good, whether it's coach or error, anybody's error, it's because the point guard position was, you know what, good. And um, I I knew I had to get myself together, and also the connection I had with Kelly Whitney. You know, I needed to hold up my end of the bargain because Kelly was a monster. So we were able to connect and click and really, really put, put a lot on ourselves to try and drive it Team as much as we could, and with our coaches, I think our coaches did a great job uh, in preparation for games. As as things went on, faced a lot of adversity early on, especially with my injury and now having to change things. But once we were able to get rolling and get past that, uh, you know, we 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 were just as good as anybody in the Big East to play again.
1: Putting it into perspective, that's a crazy story. Considering you led the team in scoring, you led the team in assists. And at five ten, you grab three boards a game. That is crazy to think you did that on a bum ankle.
0: Well, you know what? You know, you know what? It's a good thing my game never depended on athleticism. <laughs> so, had that been the case, had that been the case, I probably wouldn't have been able to figure it out. You know, no. But I can tell you this, man. It, it really that ain't this ankle bothered me throughout my even into my professional career. To this day, it bothers me. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it in anything. I wasn't going to miss the game. I wasn't going to miss practices. I wasn't missing anything. I wasn't missing anything. Not this year, but, or, or, you know, it was too important for me. So
2: I remember the hype after that six game winning streak. UConn, number one in the nation was coming into town. Uh, Continental was packed that night and it just didn't kind of go the team's way. It was a tough one. The guys lost by 42. This is not the first time that season (laughs) you guys took a, took a beating. The second year, second game of the year, Duke kind of laid it to you. 53 points at Cameron. How the heck do you guys bounce back? the very next game and beat West Virginia who was ranked 11th?
0: You got to just move on. You know what? That that angered us. Both both those losses angered us. There were some things that, you know, it got real competitive maybe behind closed doors amongst our team and it should because that's what it should take. Um, Nobody expects that, you know, going into games like that. You prepare to win a game, and then, uh, you know what, the the game just got out of reach uh, quickly, and it's one of those nights, you know, a team like Duke or UConn can get hot and, and put it on you if you're not together on things or tight. But to be able to bounce back, I mean, that was the makeup of our team. You know what, we never hung our heads. We never felt sorry for ourselves. It was always, all right, well, we know what we got to do. We, we have to compete. And, and what's next? And uh, I think that was always our mentality. It must
1: have stayed together. But you beat that number 11, West Virginia. Then you came back and you beat Cincinnati team that was a 20-win team. And then you went to Pittsburgh who was ranked 8th. I think Pittsburgh, I think people forget how good Pittsburgh used to be. On the road, yeah, you beat them. All. That's a at tough all. trip.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was their senior night. It was their senior night. Um I still remember it and that was a great win. That was that was a great win. We went in there knowing we needed to win. You know what? We were fighting for a tournament spot. We knew we needed to win, you know. Just like any other ranked team, we were able to play Syracuse, NC State. We knew we needed those wins. We needed those wins in Pittsburgh. Felt like we can get that win, we'd have a chance. And uh, it was a battle. It was always going to be a battle up there in Pittsburgh, but. uh, so you know, we were able to come on strong and, and and pull away with the win.
2: So I remember the selection Sunday. I, I didn't know if they were going to call Seton Hall names that day, and I remember jumping up in my mother-in-law's living room when they finally announced the 10 seed, and she thought I was nuts. How do you guys feel about getting your name called that day, or did you think it was going to get called?
0: I got emotional. I cried. I remember that. Uh, for me, you know, I watched the NCAA tournament as a kid, man, and uh. I know I went before, but this year, that team, I felt like I would be the reason why. You know, and uh, to hear that, it was such an accomplishment for me, man. Probably the greatest thing I ever experienced at the time. To hear that, hear our name called, it was great. It was great. It was, everybody celebrated, and uh, I felt the real level of accomplishment amongst myself because I know what I have been through and uh, what I had to do to get to that point. I mean, if you just think in today's era, like kids who have my career, I guess, they transfer. I, I never was like that. I never, that never was a, a thought in my head. It was, I have to figure it out. I have to figure it out because I'm just that competitive. And to be able to lead a team or feel like I led a team to the NCAA tournament with the support of my, my teammates, my, my coaches, my family. It was. There was nothing better for me at that time.
1: Yeah, we always looked at you as one of those old-fashioned guys that would come into a program, develop over the first couple years, and then really become a major part of the program those last couple years. And and that's what it seemed like. It seemed like you were like out of place by maybe ten years because that's what how it used to be. Not 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 this one and done or or two years and i'm not getting my pt so i'm getting the heck out of here so bro, yeah. kudos to you
0: yeah you know i i had, I had a good upbringing man you know I, a lot of it has to do with my father my father like i said was a college coach and very militant and things and nothing was handed to me or easy I, you know a lot of people think because your dad coaches you and he's he's doing special things for you there was a time my dad sent me into the stands with my mother Because I said something back to him during the game. (laughs) And then he went and coached his team as if nothing happened. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's how it was. Now now he had battles with my mother probably back in the house (laughs) but you know, that's something he had to deal with. But um yeah, then going to play for Coach Hurley. Again, nothing was handed to me. I had to work, I had to work because he's not just putting you out there just because. So, you know, coming to Seton Hall, although times might have been frustrating, I, I put it on myself to figure it out. I had to trying to figure it
2: out so that that special season your senior year didn't kind of end probably the way you wanted you guys lost by 20 points in the first round of the NCAA tournament to a Wichita State team. team shot only 34% that day. It, it just wasn't in the cards. Yeah. Do you have any regrets no. kind of ending your college career that way?
0: I do. I, I didn't, didn't, go, didn't see that going that way. Um, and I always joke with these guys, we're, we're, the, we're the team that started this Wichita State run <laughs> that they've been having. <laughs> you know, they, uh, I think they went to the Sweet 16 that year, but they were a good team. They were a really good team. I took away they were as good as any team we played that year. They were very well coached, very well prepared, um, played really good. Well together. You know, I I didn't know what to expect from a team from Wichita State. You know, I never really heard much about them. And they kind of jumped on us. They were ready for us. You know, so it was kind of, it was very disappointing. But again, you know what, the experience of being able to play on that stage was still great. Um, And I take a lot away from that.
1: Well, after graduation, your playing days didn't end. You played a lot of professional basketball all around the world. You, you played in Europe, you played in Puerto Rico. What was your favorite stop?
0: That's a tough one. I've been really, really blessed. Really blessed to travel the world and, you you know, while I'm playing in these countries, I get to uh, travel to other countries within range from there because it's so much easier to travel. I can It's hard for me to pinpoint one because I, I played. I, I played in Paris my first year out of college. You know, it, it was beautiful, and uh, I would say it's up there with any other place like Puerto Rico. Has been great to me. Uh, the Philippines. Those are probably the ones that stick out to, the most to me. You know, just overall experience, playing wise, and culturally. So.
2: So I'm always intrigued. What what's the style of game? in the international level compared to what you experienced in college
0: you know what i would say there were a lot more people that could shoot the ball. Uh, sh- shooting is when I really learned the value of shooting. Because, you know, what, I, I I, knew I could shoot. I didn't know how well. I didn't really have a gauge on it. But when I got out there, when I got around, there was five guys on the court at a time that could shoot. Uh, that's when I knew this was different. It's a different game. Maybe not as as, as athletic in some, some cases. But guys really, really know how to play the game. Very, very know. You have to have a clear understanding of how to play basketball. Uh, savvy, craftiness, they all play a part over there. All play a part because these guys know that they're probably not as athletic, so there's other ways you have to figure out how to be good. And I've played at the highest levels over there where there are athletic guys, but everyone I've played against, has had a good feel and good IQ for the game.
1: How's the experience culturally being a American-born athlete in uh, these foreign countries?
0: Oh, it's, I'll be honest, it's not for everyone. It is not for everyone. Uh, you know, no one's holding your hand while you're out there. You know, you go to practice and then you're back to your apartment on your own. You either go to the grocery store, you're on your own. You go to a movie need to go anywhere, you're on your own. I mean obviously you have teammates and things like that, but you know, everyone's a grown up and has their own things going on. Eventually you have to figure things out for yourself. So it can be tough. It can be tough living in a foreign country on your own. But once you figure things out, uh, it becomes great. You know, people people were, were were nice, nice to me. I've had good experiences. I know some people might not have had great experiences, but uh I learned a lot. I, I have I still have contacts. I still have friends who live in all the places I, I, I've uh, played played in, but um, it, it's it's a different lifestyle. But I did I have to say I'm a guy I'm a Jersey guy I'm a Jersey City kid. Uh, it ha- it gave me a greater appreciation for um, home, you know those times being lost or whatnot overseas and not knowing anybody or anything i didn't know what i had being a home i kind of took that for granted and all uh, you also see some different some tougher parts of uh living uh in some places like the philippines you know it was a third world country at the time and you see you know nice houses or buildings in one area and then people living in shacks in another area which can be you know tough to see so you you have an appreciation for that as well.
2: Once you got established in some of these countries, did you get the superstar treatment once they recognized that you were a professional athlete?
0: You know, I guess uh, sports, basketball, so to speak, is big all over the world, and it's only growing. It's only growing. um, The places I've been... The teams I've played for, they've all had a following. They've all had uh, fans that are at the game. They recognize you in places. So, you know, you're taking pictures. You're, you're signing autographs and things like that. You know, I, I was treated well. I was treated well. I, you know, I, I, I will say that. Was I a superstar? I don't know. <laughs> it's not for me to say, I guess. But I, I will say that I had good experience and I was treated really well.
1: Okay, When your playing days were over, you seemed to transition to the coaching world. How did that happen? What what was the first uh stop for you?
0: You know, my uh my best friend is actually uh coach Bashir Mason who I I'm, who I'm coaching for now at Wagner College. He um he and I have been best friends since we were 8 years old. He also played for my father going into high school. You know, we we traveled, we won three state championships on the AAU, we traveled and things like that and uh you know, he went to different college, I went to different college, but anytime I went to play overseas, he would come visit me. So, it was my last year playing in Puerto Rico, um and I didn't even know if it was my last year. I you know, I hadn't had any any plans on retiring. He had come to visit me the years past in puerto rico because i would always go from europe play a whole season and finish the season off in in puerto rico my team was in the finals it might have been like game three he calls me on the phone and says uh hey man listen I, I got a spot open on my staff man i want you to come uh come come join me and i just looked at the phone like man are you crazy i'm in game three right now i'm probably i'm, I'm on the beach right now you're a superstar <laughs> yeah, are you <laughs> yeah i'm like are you are you coming to visit what are you what are you talking about and he's like no nah, man i want you to come visit so i didn't pay him any mind i went and you know, we played in, our, in the finals, actually won. Uh, so now this is in July. I'm back home probably late July, beginning of August. He caught me at the right time because I come home. I have a son, you know, at the time he was eight years old. So I always come home, I'm around him. He's able to travel to see me in all these countries. But it's never the same, you know, I'm in and out, in and out, things like that. But I got home, I'm around my family, I'm around uh, my son a lot. You know, it started weighing on me, I started taking him more serious, he's in my ear. But also, ultimately, you know what, it came down to my son, you know what, he was eight, I felt like uh, this was as good a time as ever, I felt like these are years, from eight and on are, are the years that are really, really important before he goes to high school, because I'm sure when he goes to high school, uh, it'll just be about his boys and the girls, Then and dad won't be cool anymore. <laughs> so it's all that our played a part and I want, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's happening right now. He's in, he's in sixth grade. So it's happening sooner than I thought, but, <laughs> but you know, me and Bashir, you know, we, we got together a couple times, talked about, it, talked about it. I probably waited to the, to the, the, the 11th hour to make my decision. It was one of those he had to know or he had to hire another guy. It was like the last minute, and I said, you know what, I, I, I'm going to do it. Little did, little did I know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> so I, I thought I cared about wins and losses as a player until I started coaching. <laughs> so those those losses really kill you. But for the most part, I got my start there, and uh, he had already established himself as a coach. He was the youngest head coach in the country, I think, at the time, which is a great accomplishment coming from where we we came from. You know, we had some success. You know, we had two years where we won 23 games, uh, you know, had postseason play, regular season championship. I think he got coach of the year, And, and it's been a great fit. It's been a great fit for me. I'm close to home. I'm in the game. I think I have a lot to offer. You know what, I, I think I got lucky. I also was able to get my master's while coaching. So I figured if they're gonna pay for this, I might as well try and do that, right? That worked out well too. So
2: now that you've transitioned, it sounds like you have a passion to coach. What what part of this phase of your career do you have as a as an aspiration? What's the pinnacle?
0: For me, I would like to be a head coach. I think I can do it. I think it's something uh, I would like to do. I would love to be a head coach. You know, I'm just an ultimate competitor. So I'm, I'm always looking for another challenge. And I think that, that's the next challenge for me. But for me, You know, I I know with that, things don't stop. You don't stop learning. You know what? You don't stop, you know, competing and things like that. That that will be another challenge because coaching is hard enough. Now, when you're the head coach, I'm sure it, it only gets harder. So that would be the pinnacle for me to be able to have my own program.
1: Donald, we don't let our guests leave without walking the plank. It's our rapid fire set of questions that we ask. We expect rapid fire uh, answers. Are you ready?
0: I, I guess so. Be, I'm nervous now. So let's go. <laughs> All right. Question number one.
1: What's
2: your favorite win as a pirate? Syracuse. Career high in points scored at any
0: game at any level of play. I had 36 points as a pro, 66 in a pro-am league.
2: Most intimidating road environment you played in a college. Duke. Duke. <laughs> Most talented player you have played against at any level in your career? DeJuan Wagner. Who is the greatest pirate you have seen play in your lifetime? Uh, Terry DeHair. Bonus question. Who had a larger vertical leap? You or current SHU assistant and former teammate, Grant Billmeyer.
0: That is an easy one. I hope he gets this. I hope he hears it, me by a long shot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Donald Copeland, you have walked the plank. Congratulations.
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Donald. We really appreciate you spending some time with us. It was a fantastic
0: interview. Thank you so much. Listen, thank you guys, man, for having me, man. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, keeping up with you guys.
2: So if you have enjoyed this podcast, Please listen to our previous podcast, which include interviews with former walk on John Yablonski, former WSOU color commentator Mike McEnany, and 1989 team manager Clark Holly. For Tom Chilkaharski, I am Mike Dizzy Diziri, and you have been listening to Left Post.